Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Pillow Talk, the interview series of Pussy Church, where I call some of my favorite erotic creators. This is Lara, an erotica writer and the creator of Tales of Lara, which you can find at talesoflara.com and at Tales of Lara on Instagram. And today I'm checking in with Monk, the founder of Twisted Monk, one of the most famous bespoke bondage rope companies in the world. We talked about the most important aspects of practicing bondage, how to get started, and how his mother-in-law was the first person to introduce him to the craft. My first book of erotic poetry and photography was released as an e-book this weekend. Go to talesoflara.com to download it now and take advantage of our last day of our big Thanksgiving sale. Now let's get this mass started. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Pillow Talk, the special interview edition of Pussy Church, where I talk to some of my favorite creators. And today I'm here with Monk, the founder of Twisted Monk, the most trusted name in bondage rope since 2004. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I, it's so funny. I actually first learned about your work when um, my former partner and I started doing Shibari um and we looked at videos online and we found your youtube channel the youtube channel you know those those videos have been around i think we first posted those in 2007 when youtube was still kind of in its infancy and everybody thought um there is no way you're going to post you know what are you doing putting this information on on the internet nobody's going to want it and worse nobody's going to want it for free <laughs> um, you get a lot of feedback. I get a lot of good stuff. Um, yes, that is my wife in those early videos. If you look at our oh, older videos, really? she makes a uh, a comeback. So it's instructional videos for rope ties, right? So if people mm-hmm. haven't seen this, obviously. Um, and so how many have you? Because you have fifty k followers or something on YouTube, right? So that must have kind of exploded after you guys put it up. Well, the thing is, what or just the goal of the videos, and actually the goal of the company also, is mm-hmm. really there's lots of good instruction out there. There's lots of good information out there. But the job is I want to give you enough information to become excited Mm -hmm. and enough confidence to be willing to try. Because most people, when they look and they think rope bondage, or they they see images on the internet, and they're thinking, wow, that's like way too complex. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That takes way too long. I could never do that. I can barely tie my shoes. But when reality is like, here, let me give you just enough information to make you feel comfortable to try. Mm -hmm. Then here's all this other great teachers out there. You have Midori, you have Lee Harrington, you have the Naughty Boys, you have so many other events and so much other data. I really, we've really focused with the videos and with how we built the company of, I know you're nervous. (laughs) Maybe you tried this um, with a bathrobe tie or maybe your partner's, you know, silk ties. Totally, yeah. Exactly. Or maybe you saw some of the internet and like, wow, that person's hanging by one ankle from the ceiling being <laughs> gently caressed by a wiffle ball bat. Huh. You're like, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? So yeah, we built the videos and everything like from the way we build our kits to the way we build our customer service is all around. You know what? 
let me give you the best tools to start to be excited. And then you can go, hey, I like this. I want to learn more. Yeah. And there yeah. you have all the other opportunities. Totally. Rather than trying to be like some kind of end-all, be-all encyclopedia of all things rope bondage related. Which is impossible anyways, right? I mean, I think what was really great about your videos, and I think exactly what you spoke to, I was just, we'd never used any ties before, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I mean, and I think in the beginning, even even with the video, it feels kind of like it's not as sexy in the beginning, right? You're just tying and trying to make one okay tie, basically. Um, and it feels very technical. Um, but that's kind of what you need to do in the beginning, I'm assuming. So I tell everyone this story. When I was first starting out, and I was you know, practicing on my partner with Midori's book, mm -hmm. um, and I went, oh, darn it, I screwed that up. I guess I got to try that again. She would just laugh because she's like, huh, cool. I get tied up again. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so what I tell everybody is enjoy the uncomfortable and the clumsy. Yes. Set mm -hmm. your expectations. So if it's going to be a date, let's say, you know, you, you just got a pack of rope, you got a curiosity kit, you're tucking in with your sweetie, set your expectation of, you know what, sweetie? I just want to try this out and I've, I've got this tie I want to practice. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, the person being tied up is going to be like, hey, this is great because they're going to give feedback and maybe they'll have some pizza afterwards. Yeah, totally. It See, does yeah, not have to be hanging from an ankle your first time out. In fact, don't. Yeah, I just wanted to say that's probably not a good place to start at all. Exactly. So I tell everybody <laughs> security like, and safety wise. You can fumble. You can do these things because yes. it's like learning the learning anything. You're gonna suck at first. It's gonna be clumsy. Totally. But the thing you have to remember, or I really encourage you to do, is talk to your partner about that, because 99 times out of 100, the partner's like, "I'm just happy that you're interacting and we're playing like this together." Yes. Yeah, and, and you're taking you to, the time, right, to even do exactly. this. Exactly. And to dive into it. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the enjoy the fumbling and the laughing because that's part of good BDSM is laughter. Mm, what a good point. Because mm -hmm. I think that's what people forget sometimes, right? And I think for sex in general, people take it so seriously and they think it has to be. So, I don't know, this like sexy, ominous, like maybe Fifty Shades of Grave, they haven't really done any BDSM, right? In that realm of seriousness and sexiness, whereas I think good sex and good connection is always going to be about laughter and fun and enjoyment and going with, you know, wherever the moment takes you. One of the earliest pieces of advice I ever got in BDSM was that laughter and orgasm are right, those centers in your brain are mm -hmm. right next to each other. Ah, oh, interesting. Okay. And I can throw really dark, scary, you know, big, meanie scenes. And I can throw really light, lighthearted scenes and have mm -hmm. laughter as well. What I always tell people is the first question you ask is, what is your intent? What is the intent of this rope that I want to do with you? Yes. Is my intent to let's practice this really cool tie I saw on the internet and I want to, I want to try this harness or is my intent, I want to feel helpless and overwhelmed. Yeah. 
So if we have, if we're on the same page, it's like, oh, okay, so my intent is uh, this is a lighthearted practice. Great. This is what we're going to do. So then we can be on the same page. Totally. What happens, especially in kink and especially with rope, you get this disconnect where the person doing the tying thinks, oh my God, if I make any kind of mistakes or show any kind of weakness or failability, I've blown the scene. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or the person receiving the rope has seen images on the internet of like, wow, that person can bend into the letter Q <laughs> and I can't do that. So therefore I can't enjoy rope because I'm too, insert the word, I'm too fat, I'm too queer, I'm too butch, I'm too whatever, because the yes. images I see on the internet are a very specific body type and a very specific mm. intent. Yeah. Okay. So the first step to enjoying it, get on the same page with your intent. What do you want out of this play? Yeah. And that could change. You know, you could be feeling a great time and okay, let's ramp this up. But that's usually where most people have their disconnect in all BDSM, but especially in rope. I think what's so interesting about BDSM, what I think a lot of people don't understand when they first start, I feel like it's the most open and most communicative way of having a sexual encounter nearly, right? In a sense that people, I mean, there's safe words, you communicate a lot about um, what you want to do and where you want to go and how you want to create something together where even for vanilla sex let's say people could take the same pointers um the columnist dan savage and i had an argument once where he argued uh playfully we were at dinner and uh he said that you gay men are yeah. better at negotiating consent oh i believe than it anybody else because just to have sex as a man with another man you have to say i am a top i'm a giver Another one says, oh, okay, I'm a bottom. I'm a receiver. Mm -hmm. And so take that logic now to BDSM. Yeah. Okay. I like to use rope. That is not a complete sentence. That is the opening of a conversation. Mm -hmm. So if you say to me, really, I like being tied up. Then it is, okay, well, what? how do you like to feel when you're tied up? Yes. And I can say, oh, I like tying people up uh, for these reasons. And this is what I like to do. And so um, SM, it is really, we talk about like the yes, no, maybe lists. Mm -hmm. You know, what's a hard limit? What's, what's an okay yes. thing? Rather, what I want you to think of is it's a conversation. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you say, Rope bondage is a yes on my list. What does mm -hmm. that mean? Like how intense do I want it? In exactly. How, yes. How do you how do you want to feel after maybe even, right? Exactly. Maybe and also if you think about it, how intense, but also like I want to feel playful. Mm -hmm. I want to feel pretty. You know, mm -hmm. I want to feel overwhelmed. I want to what do you want to feel? You know, and also as a top, I can say, I want to feel like Godzilla. So I want to take my piece of rope and I want you to try to wrestle me out of it. Ah, okay. Versus yeah. I want to do something really intricate and complex and meditative mm -hmm. so that you have this like very, very 
zen-like meditative experience because you like rope for its calming, uh, cocooning feeling. Yes. All right. And so we approach all beat. I mean, we should approach all sex like that. Right. That's what I'm saying. I think that would be like where people are so funny because they're like, oh, BDSM. They have this vision of it being so, so consentless. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> where it's the opposite, I feel like. And that's the same. Normal sex or normal sex, vanilla sex, let's say. People don't talk about anything. Well, we and, have great assumptions, maybe from yes, porn or whatever. You know, totally. vanilla sex is uh, heteronormative male is the penetrator. Mm-hmm. Heteronormative female is the submissive slash receiver. Yes. Orgasm is the intended outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it I mean, is. We, we sort of have this uh, pattern. Yeah, and I feel like it's it's funny enough. I always say this about the orgasm goal. It's kind of setting yourself up for failure. You know, mm-hmm. We're not because you can't come. I mean, that's just could obviously happen in your sexual experience but just that that shouldn't be your first reason to go into a sexual encounter where you can connect on so many levels and there's so many more things to experience than just that little short moment of release right orgasm is not just the physical response yes think of orgasm as it could be intellectual it could be spiritual it could be emotional it could be a cathartic release it does not have to be sploosh Totally. And yeah. once you start thinking about that, then the rope, we joke that our rope is we don't ship boxes of rope out to the world. We're shipping these boxes of potential mm-hmm. that some people are going to use them together. And if we're lucky, they're going to create some kind of pleasure, be that emotional, spiritual, sexual, physical, or just technical. Yeah. I always tell people, go watch queer porn. Go to Pink Label. Go to mm, Black White Productions. Pink Label. Because once you take the tension of the male orgasm out, mm-hmm. it changes the dynamic and the rules of how play should look. I mean, there's also so much pressure on performance, I think, on mm-hmm. both sides. Whereas if we go in with a different goal or intent, right? We, well, we yeah, can I mean, also explore uh, a little at, bit more. At freely. the risk of sounding like TMI, lots of you know people who have played with me, they see the there's no TMI on the show <laughs> stuff on the uh, on the internet, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, I want you to tie me up, spread eagle, and have your way with me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And to which I tell them like, I really can't do that. And they're like, well, why not? It's like all the blood is going to my brain because you're in a very dangerous position and I have to be very, very aware. Yeah. Of your situation. So yeah. I can't get blood to the nether regions. <laughs> Typically when you see people in porn, I would, you know, I or someone else would have tied that person up and then male talent would come in and fuck them. Mm, interesting. Okay. Because we, the people who have done the tying, we're busy on the sidelines, making sure that nobody falls, nothing comes loose. There's no accidents. Nobody's blood circulation's cut off. Things like that. Yeah, because you could have nerve damage and all of these things, right? Exactly. Wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. My mentor, the person who I got their very first book on rope bondage from, my mother-in-law of all people. That's oh, another story. Oh, really? Oh my god, I yeah. want to hear that story later. Please. Um, <laughs> uh, was Midori with her, her book has uh, just turned twenty years old. Sed- seductive art of Japanese rope bondage. 
Okay. And I've had the uh, pleasure and honor to be able to work with Midori over the course of my career. And in, when she teaches her rope dojo, she everybody comes in saying, well, when can I suspend someone from the ceiling? When can I make them fly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Midori says, if you cannot make them fly on the ground, you are not ready to make them fly in the air. Mm. For every orgasm that I have helped facilitate through suspension bondage, I have facilitated thousands more on the ground. Yeah. That makes complete sense. And I think it's about the intention, right, again, for what well, you're it, there for. It's intention and it's connection. Because mm -hmm. if you think about mm -hmm. it, what rope is, is a conduit of your intent. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I want to be seductive and to seduce you, I would roll my rope slowly and connectively across your body. Yeah. If my intent was, I'm going to be doing this very quickly, very flashy, I would, that it, it, the rope would communicate that intent differently. I've done a couple of Shibari sessions, also one with um, a, a woman called Marie Sauvage. She was like communicating with me through the rope, I felt like. In some, you know, in some kind of a sense, like the way her, her way of tying me made me receive it emotionally while she emotionally. was tying me. You'll probably notice, or maybe your listeners will, I'm not using the term rope top or rope bottom. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have a caster and a receiver. Ah, interesting. Because okay. again, this is not a binary act. Rope bondage is a dance between partners. Yes. And even though I might be the one putting rope on someone, they have the ability to put it back to me. Again, it's a back and forth flow of energy. Mm. So it's it's more about the experience, really, right? With your partner while using a rope as well. Exactly. And so we always tell people, don't. And again, if you look at the videos we have, they're all very, very simple ties. Yeah. I have watched people have argued that the this, you know, the super knot is better or yada yada yada. It's like, I know three ties. <laughs> okay. And the reason why is because I don't want to look at my hands. I yes. want to look at the person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the person is what's important, not the rope. So who's having a better scene? That couple over in the corner that we were just talking about, that they the rope caster is focusing all their attention on their hands and not looking at them. And the couple on the other side of the dungeon who they look like a cat had exploded with all of the, the yarn ball and they're just rolling around <laughs> laughing. <laughs> the rope is sloppy, ends are everywhere. You're not sure who the rope top or the rope bottom is because they're both wrapped up in it, <laughs> but they're laughing hysterically. Who's having a better scene? Who's practicing better rope bondage? This is so interesting because I feel like all of this can be applied to any sexual encounter. Truly, oh, of course, right? I mean, with rope specifically, how did you how did you get into it? Like, how did you get into rope play? Um, because obviously, you made you made a career out of this. Like, you created. I, like I I've company. had a very interesting career. I was a dot com. Uh, I, I was a dot-com nerd. Uh, I worked for a very large software company in Redmond, Washington, who mm -hmm. 
uh, I've worked in, I spent a, a couple of years uh, wearing a suit of armor falling off horses professionally. What? In what yeah. way? In like a Renaissance fair-ish kind yeah, of situation? Yeah, yeah. I was a stuntman. Oh, man. my God. How funny. Worked in film. I've worked uh, uh, both sides of the camera in porn. Um, done just about every job in sex work. Okay. How to get into rope? Let me see. I think uh, I started, I was uh, a Cub Scout, and I was really good at making rope bridges. Mm-hmm. And my mother-in-law guy gave me Midori's book. Is she also into rope? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I love oh, yeah. Um, and uh, like most people, I went to Home Depot, mm-hmm. bought some rope, tied up my sweetie. My sweetie went, well, that's, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of cool. I, we can do some more of that. Uh, in Midori's book, they had a recipe for dyeing and finishing hemp rope. So I went to my local hippie store, bought some uh, hemp mm-hmm. rope. Uh, at the time, like I said, I was working um, as a, uh, a jouster, as a combat actor. So we were dyeing uh, costumes. Ah, okay. Seattle is, we're very lucky that there's a great uh, kink education scene here. So mm. there was a, a class uh, in Rope Bondage 101. So I took my purple rope in my little bag and I went and took it. And someone saw that purple rope in my little bag and went, wow, I've never seen purple rope before. Can I buy that? <laughs> And I went, uh, maybe. <laughs> About a month later, there was a kinky Christmas vendor fair. And I made a bunch of rope, took it there, and sold every piece. Oh, my God. That's so funny. We were very rare. I, yeah. I don't want to sound like I'm egotistical. But, yeah, the fact that you can buy rope anywhere on Etsy and all these other people. That was us. We were the trailblazers. <laughs> That's not e- egotistical, if it's true, you know. Um, I mean, it also, I feel like it has changed in general in, in society, well, you know, society, right? No, yeah, exactly. The internet. Yeah. You know, Fifty Shades of Grey, God bless, a horrible book. Great for business. <laughs> um, Good point. And as a culture, we have definitely become much more aware and much more curious. Um, I mean, I can tell you about legal battles that I had to get into being mm. disowned by family members for being openly kinky. Oh, to really? where now, you know, it's a, uh, a heck of a department store and they have, you know, bondage leashes and, you know, bondage yeah. tape and things like that. Yeah. It is not it is not the dark, evil taboo that it once was. Yes. And I would like to think in some small way we helped do that because the focus of our company has always been, this is not skeevy. Mm. Do you get a lot, I wonder, because I think this is such um, an interesting industry in the sense that it's also very rewarding um, because you probably give a lot of people a, the the notion or the feeling of being normal and maybe it's the first time they felt that way. Do you get a lot of responses in that direction or have you when we you got started? We have a wall covered with notes. Yeah, I um, thought so. <laughs> we have uh, our base customer. People always ask like, so who's your customer? I said, usually it's your, probably your parents. <laughs> oh God. Because <laughs> what's probably happened is had a couple of kids Maybe the fire's gone out a little bit. Mm. They want to try something, but, you know, dad comes home with a bullwhip. Mom's going to be like, oh, hell and no. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But now here's these videos. And look, they're a married couple. And they look they look like us. He's got some gray in his temples. 
and they're laughing. Yeah. We can try that. That's not scary. Now you can go have good, scary, fun sex. There's nothing wrong with good, scary, fun sex. I'm all for good, scary, fun sex. But (laughs) that introduction of like, no, it's normal. It's okay. You're not a weirdo. Yeah. Is really validating. And uh, we get that from a lot of our customers. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, I think there's just such a, it's not given to us by society, right? So I think that these brands or people that work in in this industry often, I think we we forget how much relief they give others with their sexuality. A few tips on like how people can get started when they, let's say somebody isn't really, hasn't really explored much kinky or kink um, and would like to maybe buy, you know, some rope and like try it with their partner. Um, What are some tips you can give them? So the first tip I'm going to give you is that this is not a race or a competition. Mm -hmm. For some people, kinky edge play is leaving the lights on. Yes. For some people, (laughs) kinky edge play is being emotionally vulnerable to their partner. Quite a lot of people, actually, to be honest. Exactly. So when you say, I want to explore kink, no, this does not mean I want to be hung from one ankle from the ceiling and be gently caressed with a whiffle ball bat. Kink is what you define it to be. Mm-hmm. And it can be, and it does not have to be a competition. Just because you don't like whiffle ball bats doesn't mean you're not kinky. Yes. Okay? This is, this is personal to you. That's the first piece of advice I get, want to give somebody. Second piece of advice, congratulations, you're a human being. This is perfectly normal. Mm, I love that. Okay, this is perfectly normal. We send hundreds of curiosity kits out every week. Hundreds. What does that entail? That's just a, that's some rope. Piece, and- it's a 30 foot piece of rope. It's a couple of 15 foot pieces of rope. You've got your safety shears because we, we ship that with every order because we want you to be able, if something goes wrong, we want you to cut that rope. We'll yes. replace it. If you, if you get into a situation where it's between you, your partner's safety and the rope, mm-hmm. cut the damn rope. We will replace it. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, free of charge. Boom. One last question that's maybe a little bit more personal. And I just, I'm wondering because your your story is so fascinating um, about how you even got into role play and into sex work and all of these things. So what does sexuality mean to you personally? Sexuality is to be true to yourself and to be true to your desires mm-hmm. and to acknowledge that, you know, sometimes we have desires and fantasies that are, might be a little, uh, inappropriate mm-hmm. but the beauty of kink and sexual openness is that you're allowed to you don't put that away in shame mm-hmm. i was raised the reason i have the name monk is because i was supposed to go into the ministry i was supposed to be a <gasps> preacher really like like hand of god missionary uh prophecy bullshit oh my goodness um and the thing about it was is that uh, growing up in a, a very, very religious home, human sexuality is repressed because sex is not for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Sex is for procreation. And that simple biology, you know, I'm a 14-year-old boy discovering the world if you follow me. Mm-hmm. And you're a bad person for having what is every 14-year-old boy does. Yeah. <laughs> So to me, sexuality is 
the permission to be okay with that. Yeah. To be authentic. Now that does not give you permission to chase altar boys. <laughs> nope. But at the same time, if your kink is something like that, there is nothing wrong with a couple consenting adults playing dressing that. up like altar boys and being yep. chased around by a clown. Part of the show is to play a couple games. Okay. So we're going to start with truth or dare. Okay, truth or dare, fire away. So when someone chooses truth, obviously, they must answer the question truthfully. When someone chooses dare, they're giving a task to complete. And since we're far away from each other, it's either on air or social media. Okay, well, uh, since my social media manager might smack me in the back of the head, <laughs> uh, unless it involves a picture of my, 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 my bulldog, uh, I'll go oh for my- truth. Okay, okay, cool. So what's an erotic fantasy of yours that you'd never want to do in real life? Or maybe that you cannot do in real life. Mm. That's a tough one. one of the joys <laughs> I, of thought, my... I thought it would be a difficult one for you to say. So, well, there, 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 are the, there are some obvious things where you're like, yeah, you really can't, you know. <clears throat> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, well, see, that's the thing about consensual kink and the taboo. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I had a friend who told me a story once that her she had this really horror fantasy. She wanted to fuck her partner, and when she came, she wanted to plunge a knife into his chest. Oh, and we're no. like, "Whoa! <laughs> um, what? Holy crap! That is scary!" Wah! But you know what her partner did? Her partner went and got a prop knife and wore a blood pack. No. And so they did the scene and at her orgasm, she took that prop knife with a collapsible blade and buried it into his chest. Oh my God. Blood splooshes everywhere. And like a good giving and game partner, he howls in pain and rises and screams, why did you do this? Ah! And fakes a great death. Oh my God. What? Yeah. This is crazy. I mean, I have never thought of anything like it, but I mean. But they showered off and it was a wonderful thing. So it's kind of one that's. It's, it's, you can it's, do it's anything, is what you're saying. <laughs> What's that? You can do anything you're saying. You can, because I mean, once you take the shame and the, the taboo out of the ask, mm-hmm. then mm. it's just a matter of negotiation. Yes. Truth or dare. Uh, oh my god. Um, I'll take a truth as well. Take <laughs> so, a truth. Okay. So I don't have to tie myself up and send post it on Instagram or something. If you're going to cook a meal for me mm-hmm. in the intent of quote unquote sealing the deal, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What meal would you prepare? Wow. Now I have so many thoughts in my mind because I'm like, well, it shouldn't be heavy. Nah. <laughs> it should be sexy to eat. Um, I mean, this is going to sound a little cliche, but I think I'm going to go with like some kind of a more simple meal, like a charcuterie board and maybe some oysters and champagne, like really Ooh. simple. 
A classic. I think, a classic. I think this is where I'm going to go. And maybe instead of then, um, since that's more of an appetizer, we'll have like a dessert too. You know, like a chocolate mousse or something. And then. Okay. In that direction. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's a, it's a total classic. It's a total classic. <laughs> or you could take, you know, Dan's argument, uh, Dan Savage's argument is always fuck first, then eat. Exactly. Because it was like, don't eat too much. Like. <laughs> There's one last one. It's called This or That. One last okay. game that we're going to play. Um, and basically, I'm just going to, it's like a lightning round of of questions and we'll see you can just say which one you'd rather do okay cool you ready go for it okay so considering role play would you rather play virgin play or vampire and victim oh i love drawing blood vampire Ooh, how would you do that i'd rather use needles um if if I, you know, my partner and I were played to that way and that we had that was in, in our negotiation and that mm -hmm. uh, you know, fluid exchange was cool. I would probably draw blood with a needle and, and uh, lap it up greedily. Oh, my goodness. Really? Yeah. That's a, I've never done blood play, so I have no no clue how to even do that. <laughs> it's pretty intense. It's, uh, you know. I can't imagine. <laughs> oh. Okay. Would you uh, rather go to a sex shop with your partner or make a sex tape? Considering that, like, after 20 years in this business, my I have more sex toys than I can remember. I imagine. Uh, sex tapes are fun, but I'm going to take Rocco Sofredi's argument of um, just because you can take a picture of your penis doesn't mean you always should. <laughs> True. So, uh, again, I, I, you know, you got to have some production values here because nobody wants to see the naked mole rat. <laughs> you said you worked behind and in front of the camera, right? Oh, yeah. Important. Yeah, um, yeah. How was that experience? Oh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I like a lot of people went to film school and uh, there weren't any film productions being shot in Seattle because everybody went up to Vancouver. So the only jobs we could get were on porn sets. So oh, yeah, I was wow. the guy with the camera that had the hot light because back then we were, they were busy for LEDs mm -hmm. and we had to go put it right up to the point of contact. Oh, wow. So you're kind of like, you know, like making sure the guy doesn't like, you know, hit the hot light on his backswing if you follow me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you also were in front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've done, I've done rigging for porn. I've done um, where, you know, put her up in the air, get her up, you know, spread eagled and then, okay, come in here, male talent, mm. do the job. Um, okay, cool. Threesome combo, MMF or FFM or MMM, I guess. Well, the dynamics are all different. Yeah, they are. Well, she's like, you know. This is not to tie you to tie you for the rest of your life to an answer. Mainly no, just... no, it's, it's the funny part is like, you know, <laughs> so uh, male with two females, there's got to be a certain chemistry. Otherwise, you are. What's the line that was once used? It's like somebody trying to drive two cars cross country. Oh, you start one funny. car, drive it across country, drive it for a while, pull it over. And you got to walk back and start the other car, warm it up, drive it for a while, and keep going, you know? And then you know, there's two boys. There's all sorts of problems because, I mean, let's be perfectly honest, boys have terrible rhythm. Mm. So you got you to be worrying about, you know, uh, you know let, let, let's say you're spit roasting. Mm -hmm. 
And the guy behind, you know, the guy on one end is doing a nice basso nova rhythm, working it. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. But, you know, the guy fucking your mouth is like playing Master of the Puppets by Metallica. Oh, God. <laughs> Think about that poor girl going bouncing back and forth. You know, and what happens when, you know, like penises pop out of orifices and they touch? Oh, dear, good heavens. Mm-hmm. Boy, I had to choose. Probably, probably gay male orgy because there's just so much fun. There, boys are boys. Okay, now that that's gonna get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is it? Oh <laughs> uh, no, it is. I mean, because like gay male sexuality is so cool and so different, especially mm. coming from a primarily cis uh, heterosexual normative space. Yeah, uh, and and like even getting to put like rope on men and things like that. It's just it's such a different energy. There's a different pace there's a different tone um okay last but not least would you rather watch someone having sex or being watched having sex having done both it's fun watching Mm -hmm. both is good i'd probably rather watch Uh uh-huh um again uh, having done both frequently uh yeah watch i Mm -hmm. think so I love that. Well, thank you so much for okay. coming on the show. Um, can you tell quickly the listeners, could you tell them how they can find your work? Come to us, twistedmonk.com. Come to us with your questions. We are uh, on all the major social medias, Twisted Monk, um, where you'll see you know examples of our work, our products, and really, really cute pictures of my dog Lugnut, who is <laughs> adorable, and he's staring at me right now, saying, "Dad, we it's, it's I need to go for a walk." It's time. Well, also definitely go to YouTube, you guys, and um, look Twisted Monk Studios. Exactly, and then um, I'll obviously put everything in the show notes as well, so people can check it out. Thanks for listening to me ramble. I, you know. <laughs> It's really inspiring. No, it's so great. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like all these different aspects, and I, I think um, that's why I love to talk to people within different aspects of this industry, right? Because everybody has a different story to tell, but we are all somehow using sexuality um, to make people feel more normal and seen, and sending out, like you said, packages or potential of pleasure. So I think uh, you know, we like to joke that you know every generation thinks they invented sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I love that. <laughs> and it was, you know, and granted, I got, as I got a little older, I realized that there were things like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and went, oh, wow, you, you guys can actually rock and roll pretty good. Pretty so, good, yeah. You pretty know, decent. so this new generation, like I said, uh, Gen Z and the millennials are amazing with what they're doing with the sexuality, with the queer identities, with genderqueer. As, uh, and I am, I have, I have nieces and nephews who are in millennial and Gen Z and mm. just... The access of language, yes, to use terms that I, I I had to struggle to figure out, you know, start using they them pronouns mm-hmm. in my forties. Yeah, my nephew, we have a, a you know a, a friend going through transition, and they just went, oh, so which pronouns am I using this time? Oh, okay, cool, got it on, and they just dropped in. Yeah, it wasn't a thing, and so. I'm really excited to see what this next generation does for sexuality. I think it's going to be really a lot healthier and a lot less shame. I agree. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us today on Pillow Talk. You can find links to my incredible guest monk's work in the show notes. 
My first book of erotic poetry and photography was just released as an ebook this weekend. Go to talesoflara.com to download it now and take advantage of our last day of our big Thanksgiving sale. If you like today's show, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It helps us keep the show going. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be amazing too. See you next Sunday.